Oh, it's cold out there today, buddy. Blistery day. Yeah. Blustery and blistery. It's freezing. Do you think it's because we're on episode 28 and we're going to talk about something relative to this? Probably. What are we going to talk about today? We're doing our 10, they're not favorite, but 10 winter films that we love. 10 winter horror films. Welcome to the Horror Dads podcast. You're joined by your hosts, John and Jamie. I'm John. And I'm John. Good night. <laughs> well, hey, this is this is a good one because we uh, we're going to talk about basically like five films you would expect to hear on this list, and five that you probably wouldn't expect to hear. Yeah, we wanted to go off the beaten path a little bit, but when you're talking about winter films, there's some that you just can't not include without yeah. people being like, "Come on now, you fucks." Yeah, and we thought this would be topical. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe. We know the nor'easter's hitting. Um, the nor'easter. Yeah, the nor'easter. It's it's coming this week. So as this is being released, people are going to be at. I mean, we're going to get in the two two to negative five degree range um, this coming week, and I don't think we're going to get hit with snow. But I know our East Coast friends are in um, like south south uh, south central, I guess. Um, but I'm picturing you on a big ship, like the nor'easter coming in hard. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. So, before we jump we, into our... We have a lot of snow. Yeah, dude. Not a shit ton, but like, we got a lot. Oh, I feel like we've... I've shoveled a lot. Yeah. And I... Dude, you didn't do a very good job. I go... <laughs> it's icy as fuck out there. <laughs> God damn, throw some salt down, bud. I, uh, I, did, <laughs> I actually bought salt today. I just didn't use it yet. Jamie almost died on his way into my house. Uh, but before we get into our nor'easter films, um, let's hit our standard, man. Well, before we before we start on the standard stuff, we have something big to discuss, don't we? Yeah, I guess we should probably talk about our Patreon that we launched yeah, today. Yeah, brand new. So today is what February fifth, Friday that we're recording this. This will probably release Monday. Uh, and yes, we launched our Patreon. So we've got two tiers, right, buddy? We do. We have the $5 and the $10. So we've got a $5 tier, and with the $5 tier, you will get a monthly uh, watch-along episode. So we will watch a film, um, and we will go through, uh, you know, we'll just kind of talk about it as it airs. We did a watch-through episode of The Intruder, or of Intruder, um, yep. back uh, earlier on in the podcast, so it'll be a similar format, and we actually have an episode up already on the uh, Patreon. Uh, we did a watch through of 2001's Valentine, which was fantastic. Uh, and also on that tier, you'll have access to some video content. Jamie and I are going to, obviously we buy a lot of merch that we talk about on the podcast, but we're going to do videos where we kind of uh, open the merch and discuss it a little bit. And I filmed one this afternoon with uh, one of my kids, which was kind of fun. And she was interacting with the process. Um, and we'll do shout outs to a lot of folks and um, social media things uh, as well. And then for the $10 tier, what do we have at 10 bucks? We're going to add a segment called Horror Wives. Yep. Where we get with our wives and talk about kind of a continuation of one of our previous topics. So this month's is a continuation of modern horror discussion with our wives and what they've watched post-2015. Yep. to now that was a lot of fun um they were kind of hesitant to get on there but we they had, had a good time we all had fun 
So you'll have at the ten dollar tier access to all the five dollar tier stuff, the watch through episodes and the other items, and then at ten dollars you'll also have the additional bonus episode Jamie just described, uh, you know, horror wives, horror moms. Um, and it's gonna be horror moms, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, it, we're, we're still gonna plan to do like monthly um, AMAs. I guess is a very popular podcast term I just learned about, which is an ask me anything, live Q and As, and then we'll also have, you know, like a crowd funded. Um, contribution to identifying like what kind of topics we're going to cover and discuss so yeah and at some point we're going to get merch going uh we'll have discounts on merch included so a lot of fun stuff coming uh these are just kind of the basic standard stuff for each tier there's going to be other stuff that we throw in and scatter throughout so it'll be uh we hope to get some people on there and we hope to supply you guys with some good and fun content yeah and it's all about engagement and um and to jamie's point the aim really is to get our merch, uh, merch thing going, and we we wanna we wanna do it ourselves, um, so that way we can kind of handle it with care and um, send it with additional stuff. So that's the aim. We're heading toward merch, um, and this is a step in that direction, a step toward that process that we hope to launch before you know spring hits. We've been pretty hesitant and nervous to do it and launch this, uh, but it's done now. It's out there in the ether. Um, so let's get to the episode. All right, buddy. So what has been going on with the family? I guess this is probably a good time for us. Our, our family antics probably the same because we both um, just did a bonus episode with our wives. Right? That's what mine was going to be. Yeah, yeah, mine too. How much fun that was uh, in the kids. I don't know if you guys told your kids what was going on, but Katie told our kids that she was doing the podcast with us later and they were all really excited about it. Even yeah. the three-year-old who really doesn't know what the fuck it's what it is you know like he he wouldn't quit saying like mom you going to do your podcast at like noon yeah she's like no we're doing it later so that was fun yeah i we we same thing had a blast doing it and i i i found it funny how they were both kind of nervous about it um and they both took it seriously well we had a fuck up round yeah we had an so they got all the gas out yeah yeah it it probably worked out for the yeah the better uh but yeah, no, no, I, I had a, a lot of fun doing that, and I'm looking forward to doing more of those. We're actually going to get them involved in a couple watch-throughs as well. Yes, for sure. Uh, what have you been watching? Oh, so I've been watching, uh, you know what, so the one of the movies I really wanted to discuss, it kind of goes with our winter theme, is this movie called Harbinger Down. Um, it's a kind of a combination of two of my favorite things, which is crab fishing not that I would ever do it or want to do it, I was gonna say, but the show ever... Deadliest Catch. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Now, now I'm falling. I'll fucking sit there with a pot of crabs while I watch that show, <laughs> um, and act like I know what I'm doing. But anyways, that in the movie The Thing, and maybe the movie Alien, any kind of sci- sci-fi <laughs> yeah. horror movie at that point with creatures. But it's the two dudes, um, Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff, uh, the two effects guys from 2011's The Thing. Oh. The guys that did all the actual animatronic and physical effects that got fucking overridden by CGI. Um, Which is they, still like a weird, yeah, very weird, weird story, but go ahead. Uh, so they decided they were going to crowdfund a movie, which was this movie. They did a Kickstarter campaign, uh, made this movie. They promised, you know, very minimal CGI, uh, heavy use of animatronic and physical, physical effects. And that's what they supplied here. The movie's kind of, it's totally fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but like Lance Hedrick, Henry, Lance uh, Hendrickson is the lead. Um, uh, he has like a couple research students come on 
uh, tracking a colony. What's the fucking word for like a squad of whales? A crew? Uh, yeah. That's a technical term, right? A crew of whales. A team. Uh, <clears throat> um, a bushel. And so they come across this like downed Russian spacecraft that had a couple space invaders still inside. But there's like a ooze that sure. came with the ship. And this ooze kind of infects people as you go along. Uh, so crew so members uh, are getting... But the fucking... The effects are great. You know, like they're turning into these fucking wild creatures. And uh, there's like just legs walking around and shit at some points. But it, it was a lot of fun. It's Like I said, it's not the best movie in the world. But it's it's uh, like an hour and 25 minutes. So it's streamlined. And yeah. it's worth a watch. Yeah. Um, cool. And then I just wanted to mention I started... I don't know if you've started this yet. I started the new Twilight Zone by Jordan Peele. I've not. No, no, because it, it was on the CBS I right. think, app or something, which I didn't have. So at the my time. wife bought this for the a show that she's going to talk about on the uh, the Patreon. Episodes. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe that was on the first cut. But anyway, she wanted to watch a show, uh, so she got it, and I took advantage. And last night I started the first episode, fell asleep, but isn't it has our boy Camille Nanjiani. Yeah. And uh, it was a lot of fun. It's like he's a stand-up comedian, and he's really... He's, it's not that he's bad, but he, he tries to tell intelligent jokes instead of easy uh, layup <laughs> jokes. And once he decides to start, you know, he meets somebody, our boy Tracy Morgan, uh, who kind of gives him some advice, and he starts getting funny. using. But whatever he uses as the, uh, like, butt of his joke ends up, like, disappearing or something oh no shit yeah so it's like a, a lot of fun and certainly a twilight zone theme you know and relevant to Kamel because he stand up was such a huge part of his the start of his career yeah and i've i've mentioned this already a hundred times but i've just been knee deep in the x files files podcast that he does so i've just been all camille all day long that was the um, first so was podcast great. i ever really listened to that i was like in like yeah i remember into, into. yeah um yeah and Kamel, sorry man i know you've been waiting on a call back from me I'll, I'll get back with you and yes you can be on the podcast again like they keep yeah. talking about me but they won't talk to me <laughs> so how about you what have you been watching so i you know valentine i know we did our watch through episode of it but yeah i actually have i've i've run the circuit on that a couple times um since no, but we've watched it since yeah uh i've just like a fall asleep no like just while i'm working while you're working yeah yeah, yeah just a comfort thing and it's been it's been very enjoyable but i mean we we talk about a shitload of movies on this episode um so i've really been watching uh, you know we, we just recorded a week and a half ago so i've been watching for the past week and a half in prep for this episode and and next week we're recording next friday a week from today and we've got a lot of work to do between oh now and then oh my god yeah uh, wait with, till you guys hear this theme you're gonna be like we'll talk about that yeah. in a little bit but yeah that's, that's what i've been watching um, but we could hit on what we've been buying. Uh, so we had a conversation with our buddy, um, Matt Pepler, who we mentioned earlier. Um, or, uh, I guess last week, you know, you, he and I just had a chance to catch up. We didn't even record an episode. We were just kind of shooting the shit. And um, it was him who really inspired us to get that Patreon kicked off. So yeah, honestly, he was like, why don't you just yeah. do it? People want, want to engage. He's like, I, I love your pod. And it just, yeah. On the next day we were like all right well let's get the content pulled together so matt right. thank you um, thank you for kicking us in the ass yeah inspiring and, us and then he gave he gave us both gifts 
Yeah, so I, I actually that evening I bought two prints and then he sent an additional one. So which ones um, did you buy? I bought a uh, print for the thing and mm-hmm. I bought a print for the one with Joel. Um, no, that one's oh, actually you have that right one there. Yeah, I have that one. Uh, this this is the one with the wolf. I got a dog now, so like a the old school one. Yeah, yeah, which I never had and I always wanted. Yep. And then I also always wanted that psycho print, which I bought. Mm, uh, nice, Marion Crane's face in yeah. the shower. Uh, so I, I snagged those, and then he sent both Jamie and I um, a, uh, a a design that's not been released yet that he collaborated on with uh, Joel Herrera, which is fucking amazing. Whew, really is amazing. Describe it to us, buddy. Yeah, so it's uh, Michael Myers half the mask, and then half of the jack o' lantern. Yeah, uh, and then he's holding his knife, but the reflection in the knife is Laurie Strode's eyes. Yeah. And it's fucking fantastic, man. Everything about that print is just, you know, it screams Halloween. It screams the movie. Uh, and it's everything that we love about both Matt and Joel yep. uh, combined. It's fucking perfect. And I guess the other thing we've been buying, too, that we should mention, um, I don't really like to t- talk about or Like, I, I love tattoos. You know, Jamie and I both have them. But, um, oh, yeah. No, this is worth mentioning. We're yeah. both that way. Yeah. And it's not like we're not hating on the idea of like take, taking pictures of yourself, but like Jamie and I just typically don't do that. But uh, want to call to mention the fact that we did have David Slobodnik, who's a Youngstown guy, um, on the show several episodes back, and he recently got into um, doing tattoos, and he's wrapping up his apprenticeship. So I went today and got a really um, amazing design uh, that was uh, actually a re redesign, I guess, of a. Um, uh, print he did uh, a crew neck and Jamie you're going what tomorrow I'm right? going tomorrow morning yeah yeah to do a very similar to get one a very uh, a variation of the one you got yeah well he does a shit ton of artwork and one of the things that he does that we both love is like his own form of jack-o'-lanterns mm-hmm. uh, so we both were like we want our own versions of that yep so that's what we got so that's something we've been that. buying, and, certainly. And when we discussed, when we had our discussion with him, we didn't even know that he was getting into tattooing. Uh, yeah. So we both kind of just saw it on a whim, and we were both just like, "Hey, we will be, uh, we will be your canvas if you need some practice." And he's a great guy. And um, honestly, when I saw him today, like we were all masked, masked up, obviously, but I, I just ran up and gave him a hug. I was like, "Dude, it's just fucking great to see you." Well, you're a hugger. I am a hugger. Yeah. And. There's and, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I love him, so there's that. Yeah. All right. Well, and when I see him tomorrow, I'm gonna hug him. Yeah. So now you have to. Yeah. No, it's a must now. Because <laughs> if I don't, the problem is you go in and you always like set this big like, hey, it's me, John. And then I go in and I'm like, Ugh, staring at my shoes. So now it's like I feel like I have to go in there. Now I'm gonna do that thing where I'm like overly fucking. They're gonna be like, oh my it's god, really- Jamie, this fucking guy. Uh. Sir, you're not allowed to uh, pat the butt of the uh, uh, tattoo artist, um, <laughs> sir, please. Let's do our what we're wearing. And I have two quick shout-outs before we jump into the episode. But Shout let's it out. Let's, shout. Let's, shout. Uh, co- you want to cover what we're wearing first? Yeah. what you get on? I with? have the same shit I always wear. Honestly, it's like a, a pair of pajamas. I have my... Uh, I'm not even going to talk about the hoodie that I have on because you know what it is. By you, I mean you listening. Uh, but I have the, the howling shirt. Oh, that howling shirt. Where which, she's uh, like peering out the blinds and there's just the silhouette of the wolf. That's cavity colors, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my, it's my son's favorite. Every time I put it on, my son says, uh, dad, that's my favorite shirt. And that shirt is amazing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's a really cool design. 
I have on um, my Father's Day gift, speaking of horror debts, uh, from two years ago. It's my uh, It shirt. Um, it says we all float down here, and the O is uh, a balloon. And it's this, like, almost like chalk sort of text um, to it. And it's one of my favorite shirts. Yeah, I love that shirt. And actually, the reason I have it on today is my arm's a little sore and the sleeves ride a little high, so it's giving me a little mm, relief. So. Yeah, cool. Uh, real quick, before we move on, I always forget. I got my uh, gremlin socks on today. Oh, yeah. Um, so I don't... Yeah, the, the I love horror glasses. socks, but if you know me, you know that I don't like the solo... Like, the socks with just one image of Michael Myers on it. It's not really my thing. Yeah. I like socks where, like... Because then it's like, what the... What is that? that you, you like have? a print. Like, multi, like a right. pattern. So almost. this one yeah. is... Uh, there's no gremlin even on it. It's just the 3D glasses yeah. uh, that they wear throughout the movie. So. Where'd you get this? Uh, Kate got them for me for Christmas. From I I don't know where from, yeah. Jeff Bezos. I think designer, yeah, yeah I think that's what it was yeah, yeah. but they're great I he love them knit them in his basement. Okay, so a couple quick shout outs I want to uh, make our friend and massive supporter and wonderful person uh, Adrian Papa Wizard. Uh, he was kind enough to package up a homemade parcel for us and send to us uh, in December, which is amazing. Which is amazing, but it never made it yeah. here. And he, re- I felt so badly because he reached out to us. He's like, "Hey, did you guys, you know, get the thing I sent?" And I was like, "No, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what you're referring to." Uh, so we're, we're trying to track down that package. But thank you so much, man. We love you, and we really appreciate you going through the effort. And we will find this, this fucking package. So thank you. Yeah, if it's the last thing we do, that sucks so bad. It's like he I went know. through the. Ugh. It's, it's heartbreaking, but we're gonna find it. So Adrian, uh, you're the man. We appreciate you. Um, and then our our good friend, dear friend, Bill Fowderday, speaking of tattoos, he, he texted me and he said, uh, hey, tattoo bro. And I was like, what is happening? And he was like, Craig, uh, Craig, a mutual friend of ours, said uh, that you were heading into the shop today and so was I. And it just was so fucking no uncanny that like on the same day, you know, what are the one fucking of our chances? Uh, dear friends and sincere followers, too. So Bill Fowl, love you as well, buddy. That's um, awesome. I just want to give you a quick shout out. So we're going to get into it, though. You want to hit our episode, man? Let's do it. Let's get at it. All right, so am I starting us off? Yeah, why don't you start us off? But the preamble to this is we are not going to follow any specific... Okay, we're going to try and hit you with like... Oh, yeah, this would be on the list, uh, and back and forth it with something that's a little bit of a surprise. So we're going to start with one that's... A little surprise. Yeah, a little bit yeah. of a surprise. So, Jamie, why don't you bring us All right, in? so this one is from 2020, so it's fucking brand new. Uh, it's by someone that we've actually had on the show, Vincent DeSanti. Um, it is Never Hike in the Snow. Shit. 
So this was a follow-up to Never Hike Alone, yep. which was one of the best fan films that probably collectively we've ever seen. Um, and then he gave us what every Friday the 13th fan has been sort of wanting, whether they admit it or not, and that's uh, Jason in the Snow. Jason in the Snow. Fucking killing people, blood-splattered snow. It's perfect. Yeah, and that establishing shot... Oh, it's the best. Yeah, and it really... It's a daytime shot, and it really shows the landscape of the film. Dude. Um, it's snow absolutely everywhere. I'm just smiling every time it comes in. This and is probably it, the fourth time I've watched it. It's like a 35-minute movie. Yeah, so if, if you have not seen Never Hike Alone or Never Hike in the Snow... Um, why don't you go ahead and jump onto YouTube? It, you you can stream them for free. You could also yep. buy Blu-rays of them through, um, I believe it's wompstompfilms.com. Um, but yeah, we interviewed the director, Vincent DeSantis, on episode 20. Uh, super nice guy. And he literally will blow your mind on... If Friday the 13th is your favorite franchise as it is mine, you will... You will you will question whether or not you're actually a fan after talking to him because he's just like Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, he knows his shit and he's he's great. You haven't talked to anybody with a uh, dearth of knowledge that he has yeah. about every actor and yeah. But let's talk a little about the establishing shot that we referenced. So um, you know it comes in on um, a scene that's sort of in progress. It's like walking into the middle of a story almost, and somebody's you know in haste trying to get away from somebody and you find is obviously jason you come in in chase yep yep and uh jason um takes a bone arrow and and hits this kid who's running and he's wearing this like vibrant not jason but the kid this vibrant yellow jacket um which really like uh creates this against the snow it just looks so it just pops so much and then he gets hit with an arrow uh and he gets killed pretty quick but Takes an axe blow to the head, and uh, Vincent was very proud of that bloody shot. The shot of the blood splatter on the snow. Yeah. Which is, it's just a perfect shot. Um, then you see the horrifying axe in the head. But, you know what, when you mentioned that about the colors, also that bright blue fucking car standing out in the yeah. in the snowy landscape. There were some beautiful colors contrasting. And I feel like the... This film, as opposed... So, Never Hike Alone was was longer but there was less there was very limited actually dialogue because it in never hike alone it was just one guy sort of yep. doing uh basically like a youtube video um for on his gopro so the dialogue was him talking to a camera essentially whereas here this really demonstrated like vincent's directorial capabilities in a more comprehensive way yeah because there were exterior shots which, which were beautiful as well as interior shots and you know the lighting associated with interior shots are so is so much more difficult um and there's actual dialogue in here and there are characters that are demonstrating emotion there are flashback scenes associated with jason and his mother so this is truly like a fan 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 film uh, and which he is really neat. hit all the the marks that you want to hit you know like you said you saw the mother's head uh, we mm -hmm. get to we get a part where she takes his mask off. Uh, it's a flashback. It, it, well, it's really cool because it's modern. Like she takes a mask off like today, but as soon as the mask comes off, it cuts to like him as a boy. Yeah, it's fucking so well done. Um, and I well, what I love about this movie is so at the end of Never Hike Alone, we get a cameo from Tom Matthews, uh, who played 
Tommy, Tommy Jarvis, Jarvis yeah. in part six. Yep. And then this movie is essentially part six's universe, but modern day. Yeah. Uh, because we still have Tom Matthews and we have the deputy from part six is now the sheriff in this one. Yeah. And we get the famous, uh, you bang. We get it again in this one, which yep. is just, it, it gets me every fucking time. I love it. You bang. Yeah. It's just really cool that Vincent has been able to a bring his vision to life and B get other, you know, characters and actual people that were involved in the franchise to, to see his vision and look at it and say like, yeah, I want to invest my, my time and, and talent into this. And it's just played out really well. So this it is just a really goes great to, film. Yeah. And it just goes to show how well done it is. I mean, the cinematography is fucking amazing. It's beautiful. And the it's sound so design. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. And real quick, before we move on, there's that scene where they go inside his little shack there. Um, and you see like a assortment of different masks. Yeah. And it's like, oh, they're laying on the he's ground. Like fucking inspector gadget in the morning. He's like, which one am I going to wear today? Shaggy. Yeah. Uh, which green V-neck do I want to pull from the closet? <laughs> that's yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, that, that I think is a really good selection that we both kind of landed on. So I'm glad we picked that. Patting yourself on the back over there. Well, I'm patting us on the back. Yeah. Next. We're going to go to 1990. Ooh, good year. A uh, Rob Reiner film uh, starring James Caan, Kathy Bates. Ooh. Yeah, this is Misery from 1990. You almost died. You have a compound fracture of the tibia in both legs and the fibula in the right leg is fractured too. And as soon as the roads open, I'll take you to a hospital. In the meantime, you've got a lot of recovering to do. There is nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. My name is Annie Wilkes. I think one of my clients, Paul Sheldon, might be in some kind of trouble. You mean Paul Sheldon, the writer? Well, everybody sure likes those misery books. They had it at the store, Paul. They said he checked out last Tuesday. Isn't that a little strange? I guess it was kind of a miracle you finding me. In a way, I was following you. You were following me? Oh, Paul, I've read everything of yours, but the misery novels. You must be a good man, or you could never have created such a wondrous, loving creature as Misery Chastain. What's the song in the beginning? Oh, fuck. Oh, dude, but come on, what is it? Oh, I don't know. driving uh you, you just want to you want to be in in clearly okay so let's let's talk a little bit about that yeah for those that haven't seen this let me get the quick synopsis and then i want to <laughs> do want to talk about that introduction uh so this is a stephen king novel so this is the film adaptation to it obviously but it a famous author uh who's uh played by uh james con he's rescued from a, a pretty violent car accident um but he he comes to find that his rescue is actually more of a um, captivity, which is quite abusive. I'd rather die in the goddamn forest. Honestly, and it the movie just demonstrates like how fucked he is in the head, you know, after the experience. So yes, 
but this is a great film um the establishing shot though jamie you want to talk a little bit about that like he just finishes writing his book like you feel really good with him because he's accomplished something he smokes his one cigarette he drinks his uh one glass champagne of don Prignan yeah. or whatever <laughs> kathy Bates calls it uh but go ahead and talk through his uh his drive so he packs up his little leather bookcase yeah into the car that has no business being on a mountain road Every time I watch this, I forget that it's explained. And, he's and I'm always like, so why are fast. you just fucking jam into this music down this windy mountain road, which is just fucking snow covered as all hell. And, and it starts the, to the blizzard hasn't even really hit yet. Yeah. It's already fucking snowy and shitty. Yep. Here comes the snow. Now he's like, all right, I'll turn these wipers on that haven't been changed in 12 years. <laughs> I was uh, laughing just smearing so hard. snow everywhere. Yeah. Does his, uh, it finally just takes the. Uh, turn off the cliff and goes down. And like you said, here comes our heroine. Kathy. So, but that, that really frames out the story. Then she brings him home to her captivity. But the, she's so sweet and nice there at the beginning. Oh, dude. But Until her, she's not. Her mood swings are so like it. The first one is like, it, it's a jump scare almost because it's like, what? What the fuck? And it's it's like popcorn popping almost because you you're sitting there watching. You're like, oh, this is sweet. And before you know it, like your your eyes are wider than you thought they were. Yeah. Uh, because she just like she boils and it's it's fucking nuts. But it's it's incredibly well acted on. I on, both both parts. Both. It's, yeah. it's just it's unbelievable. Uh, and his reactions too, like when she first pops off that first time, just his face is like that's the face everyone would have. Like what what's going on here? Yep. I thought you were a nice, caretaking lady. You know where this was filmed? Was it filmed in Colorado? I thought so. It was filmed in Nevada. Hmm. When I read it, I did the same thing. I was like, hmm. Like near Tahoe, maybe? I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. I don't even know if Tahoe's near Nevada. I know that Tahoe's I in I live in uh, fucking Ohio. California, so. Yeah. But California borders on Nevada. Yeah. I know some geography, John. Have you ever been to Tahoe? <laughs> <laughs> so let's go into your boy, though, the sheriff. I love this guy. He is fucking great. Uh, so it's Richard Farnsworth, Sheriff Buster. When she call or when the publisher calls to, and talks to him, and and she's like very patient with him because she's he answers the phone. He's like, "Well, which one are you looking for?" Well, let me stop you there, because I'm both. And I'm also the president of the... <laughs> he goes to this, this spiel <laughs> that's like 26 seconds long. And the publisher is like this New York, New York like hard-ass, like, I got shit to do. I got a lot to get through. And she's kind of patient with him. And I, I just... I like that scene, because it really just establishes, like, the cadence of the film. Yeah, the, as serious as the as what's going on in the house, you still have, like, this... You know, he's not goofy. He's not... But he's like a fun-loving uh, sheriff in this like little fun kind of quaint little town. And and it's all uh, upset by the fact that his wife is like the deputy, and when and they're I driving, love... and she she puts his her hand on his knee, and uh, he says like, "Damn it, Ethel," or whatever her name is. <laughs> he's like, "When we're in this car together, you're my deputy. You're not my wife." And she says like. Well, I wish I was home with you right now under the sheets or something. I, 
warm under under the sh- like that the human element of that just i love their love interactions the whole movie yeah uh, the way that they interact is just priceless but, yep. but the town itself even though you don't really see too much of it and you don't see too many ancillary characters they kind of give you an idea of what the town is like you know like yeah the one guy calls in and he's like well uh when you have a uh, bench out front of your store you're gonna have people sit on it and then he's like well i don't much like him either but yeah, I can't arrest him for sitting, you know, on a bench. So it's just like little things like that make you uh, almost kind of connect with the characters and connect with the. Yeah, it's kind of like the Amity idea Island. Of the yeah, um, and Jaws is a little bit uh, similar sort of vibe. Uh, but the cold, I feel like. So speaking of our theme, I feel like the the cold, uh, just general like geography and and what's happening outside even though he is stuck inside writing in this room and and being captured like that huge window that he can see through is always interacting with the scene in some way and it's snowing for 80 percent of the film um which really just kind of like it chill like the, the movie itself chills you to the bone but like it's compounded by the fact that physically in front of your face that's happening on the outside too which i think is a neat contribution to the story and it's pure isolation uh, because not only are they on this fucking isolated mountain but she lives on a farm with this incredibly long driveway so even if somebody did like happen by on the road they're not just going to happen down her driveway you know uh even when the sheriff is going over with the helicopter they go over the farm at one point and you see that there is nothing around this farm so yeah. there's really no reason for anyone unless they are able to track him down which our sheriff eventually does, um, you, you, you're not going to stumble upon him and you're not, you're not going to stumble upon her. So yeah, the location is beautiful. It's incredibly remote and very impactful, but this is a great film. Uh, and it's, it's a classic for sure. And it has one of the most fucking, those, the scene. Yeah. If you haven't seen scene. it, I'm not going to spoil it, but if you've seen it, you know what we're talking about. And it's it's one of the most gut-wrenching scenes you'll ever see. You can't not cringe when you see it. All right, let's jump to our next film, buddy. All right, so number... Number three? Whatever the hell it is, yeah. All right, we're going to do... Um, the, dude, this movie... So I'd never seen it. Let's just dive right in. From 2007, Gregory Jacobs, Windchill. We had a class together, you know? Intro to modern philosophy? What? There's like a million people in that class. <laughs> it's like Woodstock. So, uh, are you doing anything over the break? Ugh, I'm getting that laser eye surgery. But your glasses look so good on you. How would you know? I never wear them outside my dorm. The National Weather Service has issued a winter storm warning for the entire eastern seaboard. Temperatures will plunge with a wind chill reaching 30 degrees below zero. What the hell is this? Are we lost or something? It's a shortcut. Get back on Calm the highway. Down. Relax. Pull over. Are you want me to pull over? There's no Slow down. Yeah. So this one, starring Emily Blunt and a guy named. Ashton Holmes. Ashton Holmes, who's basically Better like... Better known as... Go ahead. I was going to say, he's like an Anton Yelkin, 
Jesse Eisenberg sort of. Yeah, I've written down in parentheses beside Ashton Holmes, I have Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> yeah, so he's a very similar sort of <laughs> yeah. character. He's uh, always doing that thing where he's like he seems defensive all the time, like really loud and like yeah, just yeah, and goofy and kind of like a little bit nerdy, but mm-hmm. like put together and competent and and funny and sort of witty. But it, this movie's interesting. Their character names are guy and girl, so you never find out even what their names are. Yeah. Uh, but the general synopsis before Jamie gets into uh, some of this film is two college students. Um, they share a ride home for the holidays from college. Uh, but they kind of go down a deserted stretch of road and they find themselves basically in a loop on that road and they're being haunted by the ghosts of the people that died there on that road. Well, what's very interesting about this film. So having never seen it, I watched it today. Um, and I knew nothing about this movie. So you go into it, and at first you're like, okay, well, it's like a creepy stalkery movie. Um, this dude, like, lured her into this trip, so he's certainly going to fuck with her and um, take advantage of her in some way. Uh, and then we get to the gas station. And then there's a bunch of creeps in there that they're zeroing in on, you know, with the camera to kind of mislead you. She gets locked in the bathroom at one point. So now I'm like, okay, well, now this is turning into, uh, like, a survival horror mo- horror movie. Uh, yeah. where she's going to have to fight off these baddies and but then they get in the car and they go down the scenic high like the gas station attendant even says I would recommend staying on the interstate. Yep. He, he decides I'm going to take you down this scenic byway. And there's this like mounting tension where like he clearly is continuously not telling her the truth and he's continuously like trying to control something and and you as a viewer are in her seat because you're like, okay, this dude's up to something. What the fuck's going on? Right. He's certainly not being forthwith with all the truth. No, he's not. So we find out that he was lying and he made up this whole kind of ruse to be able to get her in the car on this trip. And it was nothing malicious. It was just like, he he basically had a crush on her and just wanted to hang out with her. Right. He essentially watched too many rom-coms and was like, once I get her in the car, she's going to fall in love. And I love when she like calls him on the carpet about it. He's like, "Yeah, I'm a fucking creep, and I, 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 I give girls uh, rides home across the country just so that they can fall in love with me. Like, sue me, basically." <laughs> yeah. And after he says it, it's kind of like, "Well, that is, that's what that, you did." It is fucking <laughs> creepy, guy. Uh, but then it takes a weird turn, like you said. Um, and I kind of, I instantly was like, "Okay, well, I don't know if we want to like should we do spoiler alert?" Because I was gonna say. I get I got to a point where I thought I had it figured. I'll just do this. I thought I had it figured out, and you didn't. And I didn't. Um, and then so the movie, they have this discussion, which is I knew when they had the discussion that it was an important discussion because you don't just talk about this type of shit. Uh, they they have a discussion about uh, reincarnation yep. as opposed to uh, eternal recurrence, which is essentially just like living the same life over and over. Um, so once they had that discussion, I was like, okay, this is going to lead into, and so it does, uh, in a roundabout way, uh, there's really good, like ghosts and wraiths and frozen corpses. And, uh, there's a lot of fun stuff in this one. It's a really, this is a pretty fun one. Yeah. I feel like the pacing in this movie, uh, they really keep you off balance as the viewer again, because of, and it, like, it's like music too, like the E for 
in my mind, it's really easy to write a buildup in a song, but it's what comes out of the buildup. Like the how payoff. do you, yeah, right. how do you resolve it? So I, I do kind of feel like that has been the criticism of this movie is, is the payoff at the end. Um, and I do think though, tonally that they keep you off balance and they keep you wondering, keep you asking questions. So they, in my mind, you know, they hit at least half of the equation pretty well. It's, it certainly was not perfect. Right. But the, the physical atmosphere back to the, um, the theme here it it's snow absolutely everywhere they're going home for christmas yeah this is technically a christmas movie yeah there's uh, that christmas song playing non-stop yeah and that, yeah. that is something that continues to loop through um the film kind of like as a warning sign yep but you know what's funny about this movie is i had in my head that scene where he is waiting for her in the parking lot I had in my head that that scene occurred in the House of the Devil. I got, I'll be honest, I had very heavy House of the Devil vibes. I guess maybe because of the, the like the flyer with the pool. Uh, you know, like where like yeah, you write yeah, yeah. like a help yeah. wanted and then you put like little numbers with like pull off tabs. Pull tabs, yeah. Yeah. And because of that and she takes that and then she like goes and meets him. That That was heavy House of the Devil vibes for sure. Yep. So, I mean, this movie's not perfect, but it's definitely worth a watch, especially in the interest of this. So if you're if you're stuck in um, with a nor'easter bomb happening outside of your house, uh, this is it's worth a peek if you haven't seen it. Also, like it really when they're in the car, uh, they're like they're not trapped in the car, but they're trapped in their situation. And the car is their only safe haven and the car is like all fucking frozen over. And like you yeah. really get like it reminds me of those old like uh, Wendy's commercials where it was like, just think of the spicy chicken sandwich. Oh, yeah. He's that's like what it reminded me of. Rubbing his hands together. He's yeah. like, what are you thinking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. That's true. All right, so that's Wind Chill. You want to jump to our next one? All right, so next, this is our. This is one of those ones that you can't have a winter list without this movie. It's 1980s The Shining. I don't suppose they uh, told you anything in Denver about the tragedy we had up here during the winter of 1970? Well, man, they Charles Grady is the winter caretaker. And he came up here with his wife and two little girls, I think about eight and ten. From what I've been told, I mean, he seemed like a completely normal individual. But at some point during the winter, he must have suffered some kind of a complete mental breakdown. He ran amok and uh, killed his family with an axe. You can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. Yeah? Do you really want to go and live in that hotel for the winter? Sure I do. It'll be lots of fun. Yeah, I guess so. So I think this is the second or third time we've talked about this on the podcast. Yeah, but we don't have to go too deep. Directed by Stanley Kubrick, starring Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall. Um... And for those of you that uh, were just born a couple hours ago, the plot of this film film is about a family that heads to an isolated hotel for the winter, and there is a very sinister presence that influences the father figure of the film into acts of violence and hysteria, basically. Um, but I, so I have, 
in the interest of our theme, so talking about this movie in the context of our theme, I do feel like that introductory scene of that winding road um, heading to the Overlook Hotel is almost like a it's foreshadowing because that that road is is literally the vessel almost it's the physical presence uh, that acts as an obstacle between the Overlook Hotel and the outside world and like the path to hell it it I have the river sticks written right here which is basically the path <laughs> it's yeah it's you know Sharon takes you across the river uh, and leads you to hell. So I do think that that's sort of a, a very prominent element of foreshadowing that exists in in you know how this thing starts. Um, but the movie, like, it feels almost like an axe is is slowly being lifted and like winding tightly over the top of your head. The the flow and in the way that the story is being told and that it's unfolding, it feels like this axe is just like going higher and higher and higher and higher and higher up in the air. And it's just like building tension and it's building uncertainty and it's building all these, these, uh, different emotions. And you're just waiting for the axe to swing down. And eventually it does in a pretty dramatic sort of way. Uh, but yeah, one thing I love is how when each scene ends, the next scene begins and you're instantly, like, more tense. Yeah. You know, like, every scene, you know, like, the scene where it starts with him sitting at the typewriter, and you, you know shit's about to go down, and you know he's slowly, dis, uh, he's on this slow descent into madness, and you're watching it, and every scene you're watching it get closer and closer. Yeah. Just like you said. I love that analogy of the axe drop. And there's just so many iconic scenes. We can hit on a couple of them. Oh, but, my God. And... Most of them are the the monster characters, you know, the twin girls, um, the blood coming from the, you know, the elevator um, shaft. Those are are all amazing. But the ones that are most haunting to me are the ones, again, watching him uh, on that descent and watching him once he turns, just like in Misery. Once you see that glimpse of evil, it's fucking terrifying and it's haunting because there's really no going back from that, you know? Like the scene where Dan as a parent again when Danny's like can I go get my fire truck and she's like you know uh no no your dad's sleeping blah blah he's like no I want to get my fire truck she's like no leave it alone he's like I want my fire truck and she's like okay go get your fucking fire truck <laughs> and he goes up there and he's just sitting on the bed staring like out the window oh my god dude Ugh. I did you see this movie like too young I don't remember the first time I saw this okay. movie I never I I so I'd say saw probably clips. not. I saw clips when I was too young. Yeah. I never like sat and watched this whole movie because what seven year old would sit and watch this whole movie, right? But I like I remember walking in a couple times on my parents watching it, and uh, they would always like get yeah get out of the room. But you can't erase those images from your head, you know. Um, and I had a couple of those where it was just like, Ugh, what did I just walk into? Stepfather was another one of those where I, I saw more than I should have at a too young of an age yeah and i do uh on on par with theme again the weather is a huge part of this because they do get snowed in and there's so much emphasis on oh my god the the technology that they have available like like the snow cats or whatever they keep calling them um and that fucking poor guy uh, what is it, Doc? Oh my God, Doc! 
He comes all the way up from Florida. Literally, he's sitting there. This is not under an his easy trip. Painting of a busty nude woman or whatever in Miami. <laughs> living the life. Living living his life, right? And gets a phone or has his vision and is like, all right, I got to head back. Flies across the country, gets in, calls a buddy, gets a snowcat, goes through a snowstorm. It's like, fucking finally I'm here. And then instantly, instantly 30 seconds gets in the killed. building. <laughs> so fucked up. Oh my God. You feel for him. Yeah. Uh, but I, back to the snow, it, it's kind of the same thing as that watching the family, watching Jack descend into madness, you're watching their uh, escape route just disappear. You know, yep. uh, you're watching the proverbial bridge crumble and fall because the snow just gets heavier and fucking heavier and deeper and deeper. And yeah. it's like there's no getting out of here now. It's a you're, metaphor for what's happening yep. around you. Yep. Fucking, it's just a great movie, and Stanley Kubrick uh, killed it with that one. Yeah. So, uh, that's not the last time we're going to talk about this no. film, but I feel like we talked about it in the context of the theme of the episode. Um, yeah. So, you want to jump to our next one? We're going to the next one. Um, this one, again. Let's get sad. We're going to another isolated fucking um, place. It's 2007, again, 30 Days of Night. This film, directed by David Slade, you know he also directed the music video for Girls Not Grey by AFI? What? Yeah. Dude, I'll get a 30 Days of Night tattoo next. Jamie has an AFI tattoo. Uh, but it has been years since I've seen this. And I own this movie. I have no idea where it is. I must have lent it to someone because I did. it's not on my shelf, yeah. so I had to rent it. Your uh, sister bought it for me for Christmas on Blu-ray, so... Oh, there you I go. just recently watched it again, yeah. But it's starring Josh Hartnett, Melissa George, um, Danny fucking Houston. Dude, Danny Houston's character is so scary in this uh, as the oh lead vampire. That guy, is a, that guy is a fucking great actor, first oh, of all. And just this movie is very, very dark. It's very, very moody. It's very, very emotional. Um, it's really well shot. The, the 
the whole tone and and photography of it is it's incredibly dark and somber and just like they they do such a great job of like introducing you to characters and it's it's kind of almost like a war movie where you get introduced to these characters all of whom have these like different like quips or quirks about them and you you adhere yourself to them and you you feel for them and you're like oh this guy's taking care of his dad like i've so you're emotionally invested and this guy has two kids and a wife and you know you you want him to be well and do well and you feel for melissa george's character too because like clearly she's going through some shit and not knowing you know how to resolve her relationship with with josh hartnett and um now she's stuck on in a small town with him. Yeah. dude but let me hit the general overview of it jamie and then you can jump in uh, but basically an Alaskan town uh, plunges into darkness for a month, a 30-day period, and it's attacked by um, a huge gang of vampires, basically. And this was shot in New Zealand. New Zealand? Yeah. Hmm. But, uh, I had no idea. I just assumed Alaska. What's your, what's your opinion on this movie? Uh, so... Ben Foster's fucking great in this. He plays that dude's a great actor too, and he always plays such like a good scoundrel. Um, and well, is this, he the first vampire that comes in? The one who's <sighs> in town sabotaging everything and Don't fucking it all get up. Me what I want to eat. Don't get me what I want to drink. Yep. Yeah. And he plays such a good guy, such a good bad guy. Um, I always think of him. He's always that guy in westerns too. That's always like yeah. the the shit. Uh, but it's very much like the. Uh, it reminds me of The Shining a little bit where like fucks up the snow cats and the snowmobiles and every escape route like the one helicopter he fucks it up you know sled so dogs gone there's, he's the kind of the scout vampire that they send in to tear everything up yeah. uh, destroy the escape route so that they can all come in and kind of have their feast and then the uh, lead leave. vampire kills him yep uh, so dude and you're right the character like I almost I would love to watch a movie like a prequel where it's just them hanging out in this town before the night. You know what I mean? Like 30 days. It's like 30 days of bright. Thir- That'd be so fun. You got the fucking snowplow driver, Bobby from uh, sons of anarchy. Oh, I love that scene when, uh, when Josh Hartnett, uh, his character's name is Eben. When Eben writes him a ticket and he's like, I'm going to have to write you up to the, for that. And he's like, you don't have to, you don't, have to write me up for that also my wife and i were like fighting over this because i was like no he does not have to like he's being like i like him but he's being a shit and she loves josh Hart- josh hartnett so she's like well no she's doing it to like teach him a lesson because like and show him that he he cares because like um he, he he wants to make him feel like he's a part of the town by doing that i'm like okay fuck off like he does not need I, to write I him do, that is what he says in the movie though yeah, i think is right. his justification uh but yeah dude i mean and billy love fucking love billy billy's the kind of character that you always would love yeah you'd have like a billy t-shirt <laughs> who's the the friend though that kills his family the guy in the attic no the guy that has uh a wife and two kids oh yeah peggy and the girls that scene is so a couple scenes stick out for me one is um very early on well i have three i want to mention one is very early on in the movie when 
uh, I think it was after all the sled dogs were killed and the people that had the sled dogs were like grieving in their home and uh, the the husband's like in the kitchen and he's all upset and the wife is like in the living room and then the, the window crashes open and she gets yanked out through the window and he runs out the front door to try and save her and she's like getting pulled up under those houses which are all raised um that scene is and it's very early on so it like it it it's like an opening track to a, an album where you're like okay well fuck we're here we're gonna do this uh so that one the other one i want to mention is the bird's eye view shot um when the town is in complete disarray pandemonium like everyone is dying in the streets um and there's a bird's eye view shot and you can hear like the gunshots happening but they sound muffled and far away um and it's this like slow pan bird's eye view shot of what's happening down within the actual town uh which is a really really interesting way to shoot it uh and then the third one is the one i was mentioning of the friend who had like the wife and the kids when they all go into to his house and they see him sitting there crying in the bedroom and they look at the bed and the bed's made and you could tell there are three bodies tucked in the bed and they're like mm. blood spots and he killed his wife and his two daughters. Um, so that they wouldn't have to get massacred by vampires. Yeah. And then when the little girl gets turned, I hate that scene too. Oh, dude. In the grocery store or whatever. Yeah. And then, um, we can move on, but the ending is just one of those all-time tragic endings. Yeah, well, it's just like it kind of had to happen. Um, but yeah, it, it, this movie is not—it's not for the faint of heart. It's not a fun. No, it's it, not fun. No, it's not. It, like I, when I, well, you know, what's funny is every time I go to watch it, I'm like, oh, this will be a fun watch, and I'm always like, oh god, I just like want to shut this off because it is not it's heavy. fucking fun. Yeah. I mean, it's really, if you've not seen it, like definitely, oh, I, would, definitely I would watch, watch it, it Yeah. Um, but don't go into it looking for like fun. Yeah. You're going to be bummed out the next yeah. day. But it's super gory. Um, and the, again, the contrast of the blood, this is a, one of the gorier ones. Um, and the, the contrast of the blood with the snow is always just a beautiful contrast to me. Um, because we don't get it all that often. So when you do it, you know, it looks fucking great. Yep. For sure. All right, buddy. What's next? Let's head to the next one. Okay, so our next one is an all-too-familiar... We've talked about this multiple times on our podcast and other podcasts, but this is probably collectively our favorite film of all time. Not only is it our favorite winter film, but like you said, one of our top three favorites of all time. But this is 1982's John Carpenter film, The Thing. Inside, where no one can see. 
All right, so this mammoth, titanic, wondrous fucking film starring our boy Kurt Russell, uh, Wilford Brimley, uh, D.K. Carter, Keith David, just so many fucking people. Um, takes place up in Antarctica. I think it was actually filmed in Alaska, but it's supposed to be uh, up in Antarctica. Um, this is a, a team of researchers that's being hunted by a shape-shifting alien, basically, um, that takes on the appearance of its victims. So I, I think... So we, we've, we've spoken so much about this film, but the establishing shot of the dog outside running through the snow um, and the way the film also ends occurs outside in the snow. And it's, I feel like the environment and the atmosphere is such a like critical aspect of the film because it guides so much of the story and so much of the decision-making. Even when they, when they send out Wilford Brimley to like, be locked up uh in you know in the cabin um and they they see like little news hanging out there like them going to have to go check on him and stuff like it's a process because they have to like bundle up to get outside and it just influences so many different plot points and have to use a guide rope yeah you got, it's you so use windy a guide and rope. blizzardy yeah yeah and when they they're going to check on the norwegian camp like they're like oh max says we don't go up we don't go up you know yeah. um that's all weather influence too but it drives everybody inside and like that's a metaphor for this entire film because like everything is inside um physically and metaphorically yep uh which is such a just tense and unbelievable unbelievable thing i love this movie so much i also love this soundtrack so god did like the vinyl doesn't leave my record it's on my record player right now it doesn't leave it all winter uh, it's just like I want that when I'm not watching the movie I want to have the soundtrack in my life uh, so real quickly I rewatched the 2011 version the other day um, you know we were doing this theme and I kind of I got, I've seen the movie but I've never really given it the time of day like I'll put it on when I'm working or yep. uh, put it on and fall asleep every time I can't watch it at night because I'll fall asleep so I watched it the other day and I gave it the time you know like I actually sat there and watched it uh, yep. the CGI of course is overdone and it looks like a video game. It's fucking dumb. Uh, but it still kind of conveys the, like the monsters are still a little bit scary in their own way. The premise is still fucking scary. The acting is great. Um, I love Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Like she's great in that role. And, and it's, it's cool that they brought a female into and the way. Yes. Yeah, so, so good. Yep. And she's, Again, I know we say this all the time, but she's such a Scully character in this movie. Like, yeah. she is the Scully of that group. Um, and the the way that they connect the movies at the end with the dog running and the yep. guy shooting him, like, it, no way is it perfect. But I, now that I've watched it, I can say that I, I think it's, it's going to go into my loop now. It's your my favorite loop, movie of all time loop. now. Yeah. Better than the original. Do you want to Better talk than the remake, the original remake? Talk a little. Did, have we talked on this podcast about the video game? I here's the thing is I don't think we have. Okay. Because I feel like we feel like we should, but we don't. Well, this is really relevant to this time of year and, and yeah. winter and mm -hmm. being inside. So you want to hit yeah. Hit so that story a little bit. Let me preface this by saying when I was in when I was stationed in Cheyenne, Wyoming, um, in the fucking which essentially is the outpost. 
because uh, goddamn like Cheyenne, Wyoming. Um, in the middle of winter, you feel like you're in Antarctica. Yeah. So I rented this game, uh, the the thing video game for like what was it for? The original PlayStation, PlayStation Probably Two, maybe PlayStation Two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I played it all by myself. Uh, like I had friends. I lived with. I had some roommates, but like it's one of those games. I didn't really play with them. I just played by myself, uh, and it was fun. But then you and I. When did? How did you come across this game? I started dating your sister, and it was like Christmas break or something. It was Christmas break. I remember I came home from college. And I was so obsessed. Like I, I had seen the movie a million times before, but like this is when it really hit stride. I think I had brought like to your attention, like, hey, you should get the game. And we found it on Xbox. And I remember um, I bought a copy. I don't know where I got it. I got it at like CD Movie Exchange or something, um, secondhand. And I brought it home and we would hang out with my parents. Um, we were we were actually in the house that we're in right now because my parents owned it at the time still. And we all stayed here and we would stay up super late. Everybody else would go to bed and you and I would stay up and we would drink yingling and uh play we this were game drinking yingling till like yeah. two or three in the morning now i can't remember i hate to cut you off but i can't remember was it co-op or was it uh no, like did we take no, turns no. we would take turns okay and we would just stay up late like every night and the game was really fucking hard also really fucking scary because scary, you have yeah. a squad that you're kind of in charge of like keeping track of and you never and know who's turn, infected yeah. they could yeah. just fucking turn and like you and i would start like start hitting each other like fuck <laughs> And I just remember it being super like snowy outside while we were doing this and just like it was such a thinking back on it, thinking of what our priorities and responsibilities are in life. Yeah. It was just such a, a simple, enjoyable, just And it's one of those things you can never replicate. No, You'll never, never be able to replicate that moment. I remember we uh, put that game in right now, we'll both be asleep in eight minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember at one time, uh this was back when I still smoked cigarettes and I like Got up at like one in the morning to come out and get a drink of water and smoke a cigarette by the fireplace. And you happened to get up and you were like, hey, uh, we're both awake. You want to go play the in there? And... and you were asleep in three minutes while I started playing. <laughs> but still, it's just moments like that, man. That, you know, it, moments like that are the reason that we do this right now. Yep. And um, this movie is a part of what has made us both fall in love with uh, horror kind of together, like go, go on a deeper run. Yep. So we owe a lot to this movie, and um, again, it's one of our collective favorites of all time. For sure. Let's go to a movie that is not a collective favorite of all time, <laughs> but has a unique place in our hearts for multiple reasons. Oh my god. One of which is our very close, uh, not our close friend, but our buddy QFS Chris, Chris Garofalo, um, is an incredible graphic designer. Well, he did the lenticular, lenticular slipcover, uh, slip right? Slipcover for, for this For Vinegar film. Syndrome. Yes. Uh our buddy Chris uh, did that, and this is the 1997 film directed by Michael Cooney, Jack Frost. One cold night, science and evil collide. Oh, yeah. A serial killer is on the loose. We hadn't even tested the acid on an amoeba, let alone a human cell. 
This is a disaster. Look, I just saw something that doesn't belong in this world, and it's out there killing my friends. Now tell me what it is. Jack Frost. Okay, Michael Cooney. Do you know, I don't know if you discovered this, do you know what he wrote? Girls he wrote, Not Gray? He wrote, no, 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 <laughs> nothing that classic. He wrote this, Jack Frost 2, of course, but he wrote 2003's Identity. Are you fucking kidding me? Which is a fucking great me? movie. Dude, that movie's great. <laughs> yeah. Did he direct it or no? Um, I don't know if he directed it, but he wrote it. No Fuck. shit. Like, if you told me, if we watched Identity three days ago, and you said, you know who wrote this? The guy who wrote Jack Frost. I would, like, punch you in the chest. Like, there's no <laughs> fucking way. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's a great movie. So this this one, this film starring Scott McDonald, uh, Rob LaBelle, Shannon Elizabeth, uh, Christopher Allport. It's the, sim- <laughs> the simplest storyline on Earth is is this film, basically. <laughs> Which is there's a uh, a heinous Shit. murderer who's being transferred, I think to to death row, right? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's going to the gas. Like they're driving him to the gas chamber. Yeah, and there's an accident with the uh, transport uh, van, I guess, and they run uh, into like a, what is it, a chemical tanker of some sort? Yes, it, some sort it, of genetic acid chemical fucking. The guy's name is Jack Frost, and this genetic material. Essentially reincarnates him into a murderous snowman. <laughs> like I, I know the premise, and when you say it out loud, I laugh. It's funny because this uh. movie came out in 1997, and then one year later, in 1998, that the Michael Keaton movie. Yes, uh, somebody was like, you know what? I saw this movie about a murderous snowman. Let's transform that into a family film about a snowman that loves his. Kid. I think what actually happened was. The Michael Keaton crew was like, God damn it. You see this other fucking movie came out with the same title and they were like, no, just forget it. We're, we're rolling with roll it. it. Roll it. Um, also, Michael Keaton could have easily played the serial killer version as well. Just would have been the best thing he could do for his career. But this movie's really fun. It's full of one-liners. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a silly standard, and stupid, but it's, it's fun. Basically, like, if you were to take the town from like tremors or the town from like silver shamrock but put snow in it in a murdering uh snowman yeah that's that's basically what this is so you have your your tropes of character types in in the film right you have the uh the the town old guy who i think is like the first one to die (laughs) Um, then you have the town bully, you have the sheriff's son, you have the pretty girl, like everyone has their, their place in this, in this, uh, ecosystem. And it's, it's kind of cool to see all the characters interact in whatever way that they do. Um, and the count, the town is called, do you know what it's called, Jamie? No. What is it? Snowminton. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I do know that because they, they go with the van like, here we are, Snowminton. (laughs) And the sheriff... Uh, Sam Tiller, he's he's the guy that like caught Jack Frost. Uh, so there's there's that whole thing. And like he's the work- bumbling sheriff stumbles into the yes, yeah. exactly. And now he's working with the uh, the feds, the FBI, to try and are they down. the FBI? We don't really know what the fuck these guys are. Speaking of I that, that agent to. with the gun holster, like that fucking guy. Yeah, everybody in this movie, um, but. It's it, the thing about this movie is uh, 
Oh. So it's Shannon Elizabeth's first, like... She she had been in some stuff prior, but this was like her first, like, probably major role. Right? Yeah, it was like two years prior to American, American Pie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she's a very, like, she kind of plays like the sex symbol in this one, too. It's, it's actually kind of sad. like in hindsight, looking at someone who's trying to make a career, like the fact that this the is someone's first role. she was able role, to move on from this actually yeah, is. It's fucked up. It's stunning. Like, it's, it's, it's sad. Yeah. Um, there's, if you, if you haven't seen it, there's some scenes in this little kind of make you <laughs> uncomfortable, little, even though it's a snowman. Um, uh, but the, the one liners in this are, there's some really good ones here. Like, uh, some that I like right off the top of my head. There's when he says like, "Well, it ain't frosty," uh, and then yeah. when he's fucking the kid up, and the kid goes, uh, "What are you?" And he's like, "I'm the world's most pissed off snow cone." I love that one. Um, and then the there's these scenes like the scene where uh, the kid and Shannon Elizabeth are both about to like they're you know about to like get into it and they're undressing, but. It's winter, so they're just undressing their yeah. layers, and they're taking yeah. all these layers off, yeah. and it's just like way too long. It's over the top, so and funny. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, the the whole film is it's like that. It's campy and it's fun, and it doesn't take itself seriously. Um, but the special effects are really good. Like that when he gets hit by those chemicals, like the way he looks is so fucking grotesque. And again, the contrast with the snow. Ugh, man. Yeah. I, this if you've not seen this one it's fun it's fun as hell and if you can find that variant that QFS Chris did pick it up because it's uh it's going you, for like a hundred bucks on you, eBay I was gonna say you and I just watched this movie th- for the first time over I think it was that night it was the, it, the fateful it was. day yeah. where we, but it was like after the Green Bay game when we were like well what do we do now yeah we if, watched this movie if you're listening for the first time Jamie and I had a uh, a, a dad's day uh Several months back, right before right the before Christmas, great. Um, and this was the way to culminate the night. But after we watched this, I remembered the conversation with Chris, and I went looking for this yeah. Blu-ray, and I was like, oh, hundred bucks? Yeah. How much would you spend for this with the lenticular cover? That on Chris Blu-ray? did. Yeah. I I feel like I wouldn't do it right now just because. Right now is not the time, but I, I would spend like seventy five bucks on it. Oh just my because god, no, I, I wouldn't. I love QFS Chris, but no. just just because it's Chris, though. You know what I mean? Seventy five bucks for this movie? Yeah, <laughs> Dude, yeah. Like, I mean, I would buy the. I would buy it for. I would pay twenty five bucks, and I'm not paying a cent more. Like twenty five oh one. No, <laughs> enough of this. All right, we're we're gonna move on. <laughs> Check out this movie if you haven't. <laughs> Spend 75 bucks on Chris's version. <laughs> All right, so this next one is uh, a remake of a 2008 film. Um, we're going to talk about the the remake uh, directed by Matt Reeves. This is 2010's Let Me In. As some of you may have heard, there was an incident last night. One of your recent graduates here was killed. In the meantime, we need you all to be on the lookout for any suspicious activity. You guys just moved in, huh? How do you know? I live next door to you. What happened there? Some kids from school. I'll help you. But you're a girl. I'm a lot stronger than you think I am. Q. 
Can you hear me through the wall? Only sometimes. So this film is starring Cody Smith McPhee and um, Chloe, our girl. Yeah. She, uh, she's fucking incredible. Like, uh, I think... She really is. I can't remember what I was listening to recently. I think it was Alone in the Dark, actually. Um, and I think Mike was talking about just what a wonderful actor she is. And she honestly is just... Uh, for a child, child star that grew into... Um, you know, a full-time actor. She's just, she's fucking incredible. And even at this young age, she's just so It's been amazing to watch her kind of grow into yeah. the actress she is now. And she was always amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it, it truly is. Um, so that aside, uh, a bullied young boy befriends a young female vampire who lives in secrecy with her guardian right next door. So this, I, I've never seen this movie all the way through. I saw the original. It's it's pretty. Uh, I've seen both, and I actually just rewatched this one today, the remake. They're essentially the same movie, right? Yeah, pretty shot for shot almost. Yeah, and to be honest with you, like I. So the two thousand eight, I think it was two thousand eight. Yeah, two thousand eight Swedish version was. I loved. It. See, my thing is, I loved it so much that like now it's like this one won't touch it for me. You know. I actually hate typically movies that are remade within five years of each other because I, I feel like it's like well why would you, why do that and in this case it was like well this is just to americanize it right and yeah the critique is like what you can't read subtitles yeah yeah however this i feel like is an exception to the rule for me i i mean maybe it's just chloe but i i, I think it's it's really well done and i i really did enjoy both versions of the film which one did you see first the the original I think I saw it in 2008, 2009, probably. Yeah. And then I remember this one came out, and I think I had the same perspective, which was like, well, fuck, no, I already saw the original, and I really liked it. But much like 30 Days a Night, this movie's heavy, you know? It's oh, emotional, yeah. and it's it's dark, and it's um, gritty, and it makes you feel. It makes you feel a lot. I, I remember watching that... Uh the original one on on a whim like i didn't even know what it was i just kind of came across it on netflix or whatever and um by the end damn it was one of those where like it i didn't want to get anything to drink or anything i just kind of wanted to go to sleep after <laughs> after watching it you yeah. know yeah like, All no, right, well there's I, nothing really to, nothing else to do here nothing to see here yeah but the bully in this film is he's He's very hateable, and he does a great job of making you not, you know, appreciate his presence, which is, which is always a good good sign of acting. Um, but there's this scene where they're all kind of like ice skating, where the kid who's being bullied, um, he he takes this like metal rod essentially and swings it at this kid's head, and he hits him, and he like splits his ear in half. Yeah. Um, but per the theme here like you this is this is like uh the north and um in uh, game of thrones like you're in the tundra the whole time and it definitely has a very strong heartbeat of the film and it's 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 like a, a shroud surrounding the film it's it's very prominent so the scene that takes place at the ice skating rink it's like a daytime scene and it's the only time where you're like, okay, I might have a, 
a repeat reprieve here from all the darkness and um and sadness that is this film and then that very intense uh action occurs so i, I thought that was a pretty prominent scene yeah i always think of uh with the swedish version i always just picture and this is a very uh, you know non-important scene but i always think of when he kind of goes outside to the swing set area dude and everything is just covered in snow and it's like real sad it's like he's sitting on the street like uh, yeah. i don't know but the, the conversations that he has out there with her are there's so yeah, they're some so of the sweet most prominent, yeah and and honest and like you feel almost like those are where they bond the yeah, most yeah. and it dude it's one of those things where i don't like like uh, much like 30 days of night this is not a very for for me at least a very rewatchable film um because it honestly makes you feel a lot of emotions uh that personally i don't desire to feel on a daily basis so Agreed. um it's it's heavy and it's it's rich with uh of emotion and it's just i don't know it's intense that's the thing too is um I've never really felt the need to go and revisit this, I guess. And so the remake to me was like, especially because it came out so recent, I was like, I don't need to go through this again. And I don't know <clears throat> if this scene occurred in the original or not. I can't recall, but rewatching today, I there's this scene where um, uh, Chloe Moretz is, is in the tunnel, or in a tunnel, like in base, it looks like a Central Park tunnel pretty much. Yeah. And um, underneath, a, like, a little micro bridge or whatever. Towards the beginning. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And this, I think it's this guy just jogging, and he finds her, and he's like, hey, are you okay, sweetheart? And she was like... And she's like, damn. She's man. like, no, I'm not. Can you pick me up? And he was like, okay, do you know where you live? Blah, blah, This guy's just, like, trying to help her, and then she vamps out on him and kills him. That scene is really fucking nasty. Also, that's the scene where you're... Because when you start the movie, you're like, okay... What something's off, and then yep. that happens, and you're like, "Holy hell! What am I watching?" Something is off, and then the end um, that takes place at the pool. Whew, what a scene! Is the is the it's remake pretty, just yeah. as good? Yeah, the head goes in when he's being held underwater, and uh, yeah, it's it's cool. And then the very end of this film, again, it's sweet. It's it's this like. It almost makes you feel you feel good at the end of it, and you get every emotion in this movie, yeah. no doubt, because you get that revenge, like it touches the revenge uh, nerve. Yeah, and it makes you feel emotions where you're like, I, I shouldn't be feeling this about the outcome of that scene. Well, it's like we say, yeah. you, you're complicit in yeah. the exactly. Yeah. So, great movie though, and definitely on on brand with this theme of uh, winter horror films. So. Maybe this winter I'll dive in and let me in. It's not streaming right now for free, so... You can get it on Tubi right now if you can find access to Tubi. It's free on there. All right, so we're going to go into... um, This is one that I think... I I just like... Actually, I just kind of realized that a lot of people don't love this movie. You and I do. It's a 1980s terror train.
train. Everybody take off your mask. Why do you feel people don't love this movie? Um, well, I, I, agree, I agree that that's the perspective, but why do you... Well, I came... I was... Without re-watching the movie, I was trying to find some videos just of the kills, which um, I realized and was reminded of the fact that you don't see a lot of kills in this one. You get I, a lot of after the fact. I was doing the same thing where I was trying to find my favorite kill, and I was thinking about it, and I started to sketch them out, and I was like... Huh. Yeah. Yeah. We did the exact same thing without knowing it because that's yeah. what I did. I was like, all right, what's my favorite kill? Because I think it's when he. I've uh, seen this movie kills, like 45 uh, times. And I like hesitate. I was like, all right, it's got to be the. When he wait, kills which, the uh, person. But and wait, the person uh, does. Well, maybe the lizard. And I'm like, well, he just smashes his head in the thing. That's not... um, but, anyways, then I came across a couple uh, videos of like people saying how they didn't like the movie. And I don't know. I love this movie. So this film I love the whole like vibe, the whole party scene on the bus, and everyone's in costumes and shit. I totally agree. And and by bus, I mean train, because it's Sarah Train. <laughs> star, it's starring David Copperfield, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Ben Johnson, Hart Bachner. Uh, three years after a prank goes horribly awry, six college students um, that are responsible for it are targeted by... A killer, basically. It's a it's a, a whodunit film, and it kind of hit at the precipice, you know, 1980. So it was a new genre of 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 horror, and it kind of pioneered, I think, a lot of what we came to find, you know. And it had Jamie Lee Curtis in it, who a couple this, years earlier was in in Halloween. And so. this came out the same year as Prom Night. Yeah, which we actually have on we in have the background on. right now. She shot this right after she finished filming for Prom Night. She started shooting this movie. Uh, they came out the same year. Both fucking great movies. Yeah. Um, J- Which one this, do you like better? Jamie Lee was in goddamn Prom Night. You like Prom Night more than Terror Train? I, like, two years ago, I would have said Terror Train. But I've been watching Prom Night a lot these past two years. And with the exception of the final scene, the Which dance, is on right the, now. The, it, no, not this. It, the dance scene. Oh, yeah. I yeah. feel like I'm always like, I always, because I put this on before bed a lot. You want it to be I feel like I off. always wake up. Hands off. If it was hands off, this movie would yeah. be untouchable. But it's not. It's that fucking disco yeah. Ugh, yeah. trash. I hate I can't, I'm sorry. If you like the song, I'm sorry. I hate I hate I hate it, dude. <laughs> that dance scene is like ugh. Alright, back to Terror Train. So to your point though about the atmosphere and the way it feels, that the way the the film kicks off you've got the uh the frat party happening and it's almost like fall hog, heading hog, hog night is that what it is yeah 
than the cast for walking around yeah, wearing the beanies. But you're right. It's like a fall, like back to school almost, um, hazing type deal. Yeah, they got the bonfire going and stuff. Yeah. Um, so she, they kind of trick this poor kid into making um, him think that Jamie Lee Curtis likes him, and uh, she kind of seduces him on the bed. She kind of begrudgingly does this because her boyfriend talks her into it, and uh, the poor kid kind of gets caught on fire in the bed, and uh, so later well, it's like wrapped up in these wrapped up in the yeah, yeah. And it's it's uh, it's, sad. it's a sad scene. But I do I feel like this movie is all about uh, the relationships. But but before we hit some of those, the the train platform scene before they all get started um, on the actual train, it they're surrounded by snow and it's this like New Year's Eve party party train sort of thing and everyone's in costume because they're just celebrating the fact that they're like wrapping up med school and it's a uh, I don't know it's just fun it's just a very fun sort of 80s whodunit uh, film but the relationships in this movie I, I feel like really kind of package up everything so you've got Mitchie you've got Jackson you've got Elena you've got Ed and everybody's like into everybody basically there's this like non-monogamous uh theme to this whole thing where like everyone's just like really is yeah it's so strange this oh well she left the car so now it's you and i and it was coming off the 70s so there was this like sexual promiscuity i guess that kind of wove through the film but it's a little misplaced in it (laughs) in the movie i feel because it doesn't do anything to advance the plot uh, <laughs> yeah, not really much does. Yeah, but the masks are a huge part of this film, which is cool. Love um, it. Love it. I love how he kind of takes on the, you know, he takes over the mask or the costume of whoever he kills. Yep. I fucking love that aspect of this movie. Yeah, it's it, it's really cool. Like the transformative nature of it. I just love it. So this movie, this movie was filmed up in Quebec, uh, in Canada. Yeah. Prom Night was filmed in Canada as well. What... What was your favorite mask? The sc- the scariest. What was the scariest mask to you? The Groucho Marx. Groucho one. Marx. Yeah. But this has one of the scariest reveals at the end. And I've that I'll, which one that that he's that he has on. Yeah. Toward the end. Yeah. And I'm I'm always I love those scenes where you go into the helping hands of the in this case it's the conductor and it turns out it's him in the conductor's outfit. Yeah. And he's wearing that fucking clear plastic mask. Almost like Oof. a fucking like a Hannibal Lecter type of deal. And oh my god, dude. I do love the fact that cuz you got to think of what a daunting task that is, especially 2 years after Halloween where like the most prominent one of the more prominent horror masks found its identity. Yeah. And and you know, Jason Voorhees is on his way like right while this is happening. However, the undertaking of of saying like yeah no we're gonna rope in a a shitload of different costumes a shitload of different masks and like try we got to try and make all of them interesting that's daunting dude and it's cool and i think they nailed it they they did nail it um where this movie kind of loses me a little bit is the david copperfield and magic shit i i don't understand the (sighs) that's what that's what gets me on this movie I mean, it's fun. Whereas Palm Night but... has the dance scene with a fucking shitty ass song. This has David Copperfield. <laughs> All right. Well, I love this movie. 
uh, regardless, definitely has its flaws, but if you've not seen Terror Train, please uh, do yourself a favor while you're in um, the Nor'easter lockdown and check out Terror Train. Yeah, and if you're ever looking for a uh, New Year's uh, horror film and you can't think of one, this is the one. There's and, obviously New Year's Evil, but... And you're trying to get away from New Year's Evil! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a great theme song. It is. All right. Are we? Is this our last one? This is our last one, man. Okay, so this is one that we've... You and I have been on like social media kind of pushing this one. Yep. Because I feel like nobody even talks about it ever. You and I have mentioned it once a couple episodes ago. This is what? We're going to 2006... Spent a lot of time in the mid-2000s tonight, but 2006, a uh, Richard Brandis film, uh, Penny Dreadful. Penny, don't worry. <laughs> there are 40,000 fatal car crashes every year. Penny, please, wake up. Daddy. Plenty of snow up there tomorrow. Maybe we should just go home. It sounds like a pretty bad storm. Penny, is that what you want? To come out all this way just to turn around and go home? You have to confront your fears head on. I want to. Her therapist put her back in a car. What was that? It's just a pothole. Remember to breathe. On the road to recovery. <laughs> something about needing a lift to a camp. Were you going to give him a ride? I just hit him. No, thank you. I'm not very hungry right now. You want us to drop you? Starring Rachel Miner, Mimi Rogers. Uh, Rachel Miner actually is a recurring figure on Supernatural, by the way. Huh. She's the, the woman that plays Penny in this film. Yep. Um, it's but, pretty much just those two. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there are other a ancillary characters, yeah. but like they, they are the movie, for sure. Um, but this is one of the uh, original eight films to die for. It's one of the eight installments of the, the first round of those that went out. And this movie's fucking scary, and it's heavy, and it's, uh, it's pretty mean. Um, so the, the basic plot, because I, I, I'm going to assume a lot of people have not seen this movie... Uh, but Penny, who's our main character, she goes on a retreat with her psychiatrist or a psychologist yeah. or psychiatrist. Either one. Um, with the intent to like help her overcome her phobia, which is fear of cars, essentially. Yeah, right? an intense fear of yeah. cars. Um, then basically, Penny gets like quite literally pinned in a car and has to navigate through it, and she's not by accident pinned into a car they encounter some nefarious creep hitchhiker hitchhiker uh who is and they kind of tell her the whole story like oh well penny's scared of cars and and then before you know it penny wakes up and is yeah. real fucking stuck <laughs> uh but this this movie is great man yeah so this movie i had never seen uh this was one when i got back with your sister in like 2007, 2008, I remember you showed me this. I think it was in uh, your dorm room in Kent, maybe. You showed me this movie, and um, yeah, no, I was fucking scared of it. It was fucking really fun at the same time. You know, it's one of those movies where 
actually you and I both, when you find a really scary movie and you're watching it like during the day with friends, it's, it can be fun, even though it's really scary, you know, and that's what this was. Yeah. And it was really cool to see a movie that I hadn't seen in a while or had never seen. And every time I watch this now, I still like it always, that's what's great about horror movies and movies in general, I guess, is when you watch a movie you love, it takes you back to when you first saw it. And that's what this movie is for me. It's not really scary to me anymore, but there's there's some scenes like that ending scene. I gotta disagree with you because I, the other night, I put it on down here in the basement, and I had well, it going with the surround sound. I was down here by myself, all the lights were out, and I, I actually was like, oh, I'm gonna watch this tomorrow. Turn it <laughs> off. Yeah, and that does not really happen to me often at this point in life, and it it did the other day. Well, another great thing about horror is really it depends on where and when you watch a movie you know like yes there's people who watch paranormal activity with their friends and they're like this movie's not scary at all but that time I was down there with some candles lit by myself with all the kids and wife sleeping upstairs exactly oh I have PTSD from that so this movie though uh, referencing back to our theme it I had in my head and I've seen this movie probably 20 times I had in my head that there was snow everywhere in this film, and there's really not. Um, but it's it's very very cold. So the cold is a prominent factor and contributor to the story, and actually kind of does the the weather influences like the pace of the film a little bit. Um, but it's not it's not yeah, filled with snow. They're always standing outside like. <laughs> yeah, and that the guy the. The dude with the beard. With the red is, beard? Yeah. At one point, he, he like goes outside. I, I can't remember what the quote was, but he was like, it's a fucking tundra out here or something. And like he, it, <laughs> I love that guy. It's, it's such a, it's a huge uh, you know, plot contributor. Uh, I hate to do this, but I'm going to. Like I was a, a regular on uh, Home Improvement. There he goes. Here I go. And he was actually a regular on the show Tool Time. He was like one of the construction workers and he would always show up. Uh, oh man, I loved that show growing up though. <laughs> I love it right now. <laughs> but the, the title sequence uh, that starts the film is, is very uh, it's interesting visually at least. Um, and it it's on uh, on theme here and it's like these windows that are like fogged up because it's cold and it has the names. The icy uh, windows. Yeah. I love that. I do love that opening scene. And then, much like we were talking about the Shining, um, like the devolution, I guess, into hell, pretty much, the beginning of this film is bright. Uh, it's sunny. You've got the dude from the hills have eyes that acts as almost like the warning symbol. Um, the bald guy from the hills have eyes. Yep. He's, he's at the gas station in the beginning. Uh, before I think she's that's an homage, right? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Which I love. That. I love that about this movie. That guy's supposed to be like the nicest dude in the industry too. Yeah, and I've seen interviews with him, and he's a he's an amazing dude. Yeah. Uh, but can we talk about how this is legitimately the worst fucking medical support system you can ever have? Is this psychiatrist? Yeah, she's she's not the best. She is not the best. So she the intent here is she and Penny are going to go on a drive up the Penny had a, a car accident, her family died. She's terrified of cars, doesn't want to 
be in them at all and hyperventilates when she's in them. So her psychiatrist is like, we're going to get some real life experience here. We're going to go up in the woods and you're going to be in the car and you're going to be fine about it. And she's actually just fucking nasty depending the entire time. And then she ends up like picking up a hitchhiker when the person next, she hits a hitchhiker, then allows them in the car and then they get in the car with their meat stick. Uh, not that's not a sexual innuendo, but literally a spear. Like if you go to a, a like a Chinese buffet and get a one of those skewers of like barbecued meat, like the person has one of that, but it looks like roadkill. But picture it raw. Yeah, and they're in the fucking car, and the the psychiatrist I feel like thinks it's strange, but is not like oh, I don't know if this is going to disrupt the psyche of the person next to me who's terrified of cars to effing begin with. I am super confused as to why this uh, woman is not more concerned. Yeah. So she's pretty flippant about it, I guess. But Also, she makes it like when she goes out there to check to see if the hitchhiker is okay after she hits him. Or her, I'm sorry. Um, she like She makes it seem like she had this nice conversation with her and like, oh no, she's just hurt and needs a ride up to the... But then this, but like you never hear. They're not gonna sue, yeah. So we're we're good. We're just gonna give them a quick ride. But this movie is scary. Um, It really plays on isolation. It uh, really plays on a lot of different horror themes that we've touched on uh, throughout the podcast uh, in various ways that are 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 pretty profound and impactful. So, if you've not seen this movie, please please check it out. Um, It it has those emotional aspects, like you mentioned, but it also Reminds me of Hatchet a little bit at times, with those characters like you said, the the beardy guy and yeah, the yeah, yeah. the dude going to have uh, relations the affair, with the girl. Yeah. The affair, yeah. I, I get, I definitely get, you know, like goofy Hatchet vibes, but not over the top. Yeah, that's like four percent of the film. The other yeah, ninety six percent is like very in your face intense. So, but they do enough to loosen it up, you know. Yeah, which I think you kind of need because it, it this is a stiff drink otherwise. Yes. Very stiff drink. But you you ready to call it, man? I think that brings us to the end. Yeah. I think... Uh, did you have any runners-up at all? I, d- I didn't really take any down, but... I mean, we talked about Krampus and some of the other, like, more holiday-themed horror that we sort of left out because it was so rooted in, in holidays, really. We didn't want this to turn into a Christmas episode. Yeah. Yeah. So we tried to stray away from that, and we, I think, mostly did that. Yeah. I had a couple like uh, Dead Snow. Have you ever seen Dead Snow? Yes. The one where they like uncover that nuclear. Well, there's a sequel. I I don't know which one I saw. I think I saw the original one when it came out. That was another like I think mid late. The 2000s. foreign one. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I saw. Yeah. Where they they go into that. What what is it? A tunnel? It's not a tunnel. They go into that like. Honestly, it's been years nuclear... since I've seen it, and I wanted to maybe cover it for this episode, Man. but it wasn't available anywhere. So. That is a fucking strange one. Yeah, it's got a cult following to it. Yeah, really. I, honestly, if you haven't seen Dead Snow, the foreign one, I would highly recommend checking that out if you're looking for something new in the horror genre, because that is fucking. It gets batshit crazy in there. <sighs> Did you have any other uh, uh, runners up? Not off the top of my head, no. I mean, I'm sure if I sat here and thought about it, but yeah. Well, this is a really fun episode topic, and our next episode is going to be really good. We have a a great guest coming on. Um, 
I don't know if we should reveal who it is, but we can maybe talk about our topic a little. Uh, we're going to do a, a battle of the franchises. So we're going to pick some really prominent horror franchises and put them against each other in sort of a... Yeah, we're going to set up a little bracket, like March Madness style. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna, what we're going to do is take the best movie from each franchise and then pit them against the best movie of other franchises. So it's not just like Halloween versus uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. It's maybe just off the top of my head, maybe Halloween Part 3 versus, versus Friday the 13th Part Part three. 4. Or, yeah. Part, it, you know? So we're, so we're going to do that. It's going to be really fucking fun. We've actually been spending a lot of time. A lot of time on framing that out. So yeah, we have a special guest coming on. Uh, we're really excited about. He's tons of fun, um, and then we have we have some really good stuff coming. Uh, some good guests lined up, and uh, we're excited to get going. And we're excited uh, for you guys to join Patreon and come and see what we're doing over there. Uh, we're excited to kind of give you guys more content and see a little bit behind the scenes. So it's kind of exciting. Keep us in your ears. We love you guys.